morning. morning. Isn't it awesome to worship our God together, whether it's online or in person? He's worthy of our praise. He's the great I am. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. I'm also excited about uh, the series that we're doing. We're in week two of a series called How Does God See Me? Because we have to reprogram how we see ourselves. We've been told things by others or we believe things about ourselves, but that's not necessarily who we are. We need to know who we are based on how God sees us. And so we've been looking at that uh, yesterday and or last yesterday, last week in this series. Uh, and we're looking in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is rich and heavy with who God has made us. And I love chapter one, verse four, because it says in Christ, we've been given every spiritual blessing in him. That means the moment Christ became a reality in your life and he stepped into your life by faith, that you hit the jackpot, you hit the, the winning lottery ticket, you, you hit the home run numbers of your self-identity and your self-worth in Christ Jesus. It's literally as if we've won the lottery. And for those of us who know who we've been made in Christ Jesus and we know those promises and we know those truths and we live our lives by them, we are rich and we live in richness in Him. But those of us who are still given the same identity in Christ, that same lottery ticket, but we don't know those truths or we don't live by them, choosing to believe other things are true about us instead of what God says. It's as if that winning lottery ticket was given to us and put in the drawer, and it's still there. And though we've been made rich, we're living in poverty. When Christ says, I've given you every spiritual blessing through me. And so we're going to dive into that. We're going to look at today, the part of that today is, um, are we dead or alive? You say, that's a silly question. Of course I'm alive. We're going to ask the question biblically and scripturally, are we dead or alive? And if you're a kid of the 80s, you might have thought of 1986, Bon Jovi, I'm a cowboy. On a steel horse I ride. Y'all help me. I'm wanted, dead or alive. That's it. Now you're going to remember the message. Thank you very much. It's a silly song, but it's a serious question. Are we dead or alive? So let's look in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. God's word says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, don't you love this word right here? But, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And so the book, this letter to Ephesians was written to believers and it was to remind them that they were once in a certain place, but that God, by his grace and through his deliverance, has placed them in a new realm, in a new place, in a new identity, that they were once dead dead in their transgressions and sins, and yet God intervened and did something beautiful in their lives. And when he's talking about us being dead, what he's saying is that you and I were all born into this world with a dead spirit. The Bible teaches that we are three components. Every person on this earth is body, soul, and spirit. 
body's obvious, uh, our soul is that, uh, our hearts where our emotions rest and our mind where our thoughts live, and this spirit is something else. It's this thing inside of us that, it, that God put there, but that it was put there and it has been broken. That it wasn't the way God intended to be, that it's actually dead. Not sick, dead inside of us. We're, we're born in this world with a dead spirit. In fact, I love the tense of that verb, though. He says, you were once, uh, you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So it was in our past, meaning that when we were born in this world, that we were born with an innate corruptness. There was an innate moral deficiency. Every single one of us was born uh, off and can't really commune with God the way we wanted to. And we can't know him in a personal way like we long for. And life just isn't quite satisfying because something is off and broken inside of us. You ever go to the grocery store hunting a good melon? You got to find a good melon, right? Well, I have, I have excused myself from trying to uh, buy that kind of fruit anymore because I'll go to the grocery store and in the produce session, there's a, there's a good looking melon. I'm like, I can't wait to take that home and eat some cantaloupe, man. And then I'll cut it open, and it's all gooey inside. It's gross. It's all rotted. I'm like, man, mama, you got to help me. You got to pick the cantaloupe from now on because I'm picking the wrong stuff. It looked good on the outside, but inside there is decay, and there's rot, and it's dead. You know what the scripture says? You were once dead in your transgressions and sins. And even though you and I might look vibrantly alive on the outside, apart from Jesus Christ, we are born dead and rotting and decaying on the inside. It's a dead spirit. It's not a pretty picture, is it? But that is the life of every single person on this planet apart from God. In fact, uh, the writer of Ephesians goes on to see in chapter 4, he says this, that those people are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of their hearts. That there's this part of them that is just dead inside. There's, there's part of them that, that should be alive, but it's dead. And apart from knowing God, they are missing out on, on really living the vibrant life that God created us to have. I'm not talking about stuff on the outside. I mean, we can play the part. We can look good. We can look vibrant. We can look alive. We can fill our lives with activities. We can put on a smile. Everything on the outside can look good, but be dying on the inside. I'm not talking about the outside. I'm talking about what's inside. That there's an issue inside. We're separated from the source of life, and we're really honestly forced to settle for less than the vibrant life that Jesus and God had planned for us. And it looks like in, in different ways to different people, but there's a sense of la lack of satisfaction and emptiness and, and not feeling comfortable in your own sin and not really fully being you. And experiencing life the way God intended, and it's gone in an instant. And you go, how do I get that back? Or more importantly, how do I keep feeling that way? And so because it's fleeting, we pretend that we've got it together. We pretend that we're good, or we try to impress others. Because we don't know who we belong to. We don't know who he's made us. And we're never fully satisfied apart from him. And without Christ Jesus in our life, that is literally what we're facing every single day of our lives. And you know what? We're helpless to fix it. You can't fix dead. I can't fix dead. It is irrevocably bad. Can I tell you something? 
when we came into this world, we were born with a dead spirit. And it makes us internally unsettled. And it causes us to act in ways that we don't want to act and things that we know that were wrong and our actions follow the decay inside of us. You know, they have whole departments of bookstores that say self-help. And I'm not saying that's bad. But you know what? You can't self-help dead. You can't self-actualize. You can't self-visualize. You can't self-whatever. You can't meditate yourself out of this. When you and I are dead in the transgressions and sin, none of that self-help is going to remedy the problem. Our greatest need isn't self-help. It is a rebirth by the living God inside of us. That is the life Jesus offers those who are dead in their transgressions and sin. And we need it because a dead spirit, here's your blanks, a dead spirit results in decaying behavior. You think, why do I do the things I do? Why does my life just not ever measure up? Why am I not the person I long to be? Because if we're dead inside, it results in decaying behavior. You go to build a house or a building, man, you got to lay that foundation. And if the foundation is off, if it begins to settle, man, things crack, things break, things are broken. And I don't care how many coats of paint we put on the house to try to make it look good. If the foundation is off, it will eventually crumble and fall. God says, I want to lay a foundation on it as a firm foundation on Jesus Christ that does not sink and it does not set on it as a firm foundation on which to build your life and your identity. It's Jesus Christ. It's me. See, a dead spirit can only lead us a couple different things, and, and the scripture we just read talks about them. One, it says if you're, if you're dead inside or if you have a dead spirit, it says, first of all, you'll follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And without even knowing, we become completely misguided because we're following the wrong path and we're following the wrong leader. Because the world is dominated by this, this kingdom of the air, this ruler of the kingdom of the air, who Jesus called the prince of this world, none other than Satan himself. So if you and I are following the crowd, guess what? At the head of that parade, as, as people are marching along in unison, there's someone leading that parade, and it's someone you do not want to follow. You know, that means God has allowed, I need, I need to say this, God has allowed Satan to have some influence and authority in this world. He has. It does not thwart the plan of God, the sovereign plan of God that we talked about last week, that God's will will be accomplished and every good purpose he has in this world will be accomplished according to his plan, but that Satan can lead others astray and do his damage and do his work in the midst of God's sovereign plan. He can do it in not only the world, he can do it in our lives. See, if you and I are following the popular opinion of this world, guess what? We're not following who we think we're following. It goes beyond the, the influence of other people. It goes to that leader of the parade. And it says in the scripture that it ends in disobedience. It said, he's at work in those who are disobedient in this world. And whether our disobedience looks like, God, I don't have to listen to you and I'm not going to obey your commands and I want nothing to do with you or... If that disobedience is, hey, God, I've heard what you had to say, and I respect it, but I still want to go my own way. 
Those are both disobedient statements. Those are both not trusting in the sovereign goodness of God and his good intentions for your life, that he has what's good for you and best for you and pleasing to you. It's what eternally is good for you. It's, what, it's what's going to be satisfying in the long run. It is that firm foundation in your life. That's what he wants to give us. See, a dead spirit... It results in, in decaying thought. It, recall, it results in decaying behavior. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me just bring it home. This is really convicting to me. If you can spout off line after line from your favorite show, but you can't recite anything out of this book, whether you are alive or dead in your spirit or not, guess what is influencing your life more than anything else? It's the pattern of this world and the kingdom, uh, the, king of the, um, the leader of the kingdom of the air. So who's influencing more? Is it the prevailing thought of our culture or is it the truth of the living God? And then it says this. Not only do we follow the ways of the world or the ruler of the kingdom of the air, our other choice in this dead spirit state is that, that we would gratify the cravings of our flesh. See, we've got a stacked deck against us. We've already got the culture that's trying to lead us astray, and we've got an unseen enemy that's trying to lead us astray, and they're out there doing their thing, but there's another straw against us in that because there's a dead, broken spirit in us, that we have something broken in here. And we follow the cravings of our sinful flesh, our selfish flesh, our never-satisfied self over and over and over again. And with a dead spirit, without God intervening in your life, you have, you have no help, you have no fix, you have no remedy because the help of God is not available to you in Christ Jesus to conquer the moment of temptation, to conquer the, the conflict in your life. So I made a list of these cravings, and I don't like this list. And I said, overeating was my first one. I'm like, why did I do that? So whether it's overeating, pride, need for affirmation, drugs, greed, lust, anger, or any other number of other vices, eventually one of those will get the best of you. Why? Because a dead spirit creates decaying behavior every time. <clears throat> A life dominated by self, a life devoid of God, it says in the passage we just read, is deserving of wrath. That means one day when God goes to judge this world, that those who line up and said, listen, I didn't want to follow God. I wanted to follow the parade to where it was going. I never let God intervene in my life and bring me from death to life and remove this old identity of following my old patterns and my own ways. And I didn't step into the new life that Jesus offers. And I followed that path. Those people will all be deserving of the judgment they receive. Some will be judged harsher than others, but they will all receive the condemnation that is right and just by God to give. He is right to do so. He is holy to do so. He is just to do so. You know what? That was your story, and that was my story. Maybe it still is your story. 
But for some of us, the story didn't end there because God intervened in our life. And he says, but when all hope was lost, when things were dark and we were drowning in death and decay, Jesus intervened and says, I want to give you life and that old life can pass away and the new life can come and you are not defined by your past anymore and the sins that you think are holding you back and the stuff you think you'll never get victory over in your life and the lies that you've believed about yourself. He says, listen, come out of all of that into this new life I have for you in Christ Jesus. It's a firm foundation. It'll never fail you. And the turning point of our life is when we are made alive in Jesus Christ. You still remember that moment? If you've had that moment that Jesus made you alive in him, you were dead in your transgressions and God yet made you alive by his mercy and his grace. It was the best moment of your life. And you may have been young when you had that moment. You may not have realized all the implications and the vast riches of the lottery ticket of glory that God handed to you. But I'm telling you now, a divine transaction happened that is amazing and unbelievable. He made you alive in Christ Jesus. I want you to see why he did that. Did you notice in the text that we read why God intervened? He didn't have to stop the parade. He didn't have to pull you out of it. He didn't have to rescue you from darkness and put you into light or death and into life. He said, listen, I did it not out of obligation. I didn't do it because anyone was forcing me. I didn't do it because I I guess I just have to. He did it because he loves you. That's what it said. The God of the universe loved you so much. He intervened on your path to destruction. It says, I want you, and I want you, and I want you to be with me. I want to rescue from death and give you life. And so I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to rescue you and to bring you into my kingdom. It's because I love you. You know that God loves you? He says it right here in black and white that he loves you. You guys keep cards. Old cards that people give you? You should if you don't. Well, I mean, as long as they're not like blank or something. I kept this one because it's got Darth Vader on the front. Second best villain of all time. Best is Hans Gruber. Okay, don't even fight me on that. You don't even know what that is. Die hard? Come on. All right, let's go. But Darth's good. No, I kept this card because it's from my son. And look at all this that he wrote. He didn't have to take the time to do that. On Father's Day. And I told him I wouldn't read any of this. It's really personal and beautiful and speaks to my heart so much. But then he says, I love you, Dad. It's right there in black and white. He says, I love you. And I can't tell you how much that means to me. Because sometimes you don't always feel that way, right? Sometimes when you've got a 17-year-old in your home, it doesn't feel that way, right? I get an amen there? But I know he loves me. He's told me. Can I tell you something? There is a God in heaven who says, listen, I love you. I love you and I love you. And I wrote it in my book. But more importantly, I wrote it through the actions of my son, Jesus Christ, who went to a cross and he bore your sin and your shame. He says, I'll show you how much I love you. And he stretched his arms open wide and said, put it all on me. I love you that much. question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that God loves you that much? You can can agree with that theoretically, but do you understand that and accept it practically, personally? He loves me. 
He chose me. He wanted me. He wants me alive in him. I'll tell you, something, nothing like being loved, is there? There's nothing like being loved. And I don't know who's loved you the most on this planet, but it pales. It pales in comparison to the love your heavenly Father has for you. It doesn't even come close. Nobody loves you unconditionally like he does. No one loves you in the worst moment like he does. Nobody loves you so uh, sacrificially like he has, laying down his life for you. You know, God loves us, but it isn't just an action he does. It's, it's who he is. God is love. He can't help but love you. He is love. And it's said in that passage, he's rich in mercy. You know, he isn't just merciful. He is, he is mercy. He, he exudes mercy. He gives mercy and doesn't treat you the way your sins deserve over and over and over again, giving you another chance and another chance and another time to get it right and another opportunity to follow him over and over again. He is merciful. And loving. So he made us alive in him. He made us alive in him. That's the best news I've ever heard. That's what I want you to remember today. That you and I have been, if we know Christ Jesus, if we've crossed the line of faith, that he rescued us from death and he brought us into life and we are alive in him today. That we are no longer ruled by death. You understand death ruled over mankind until Jesus Christ intervened. That until he showed up on the scene, we were all destined to follow that parade into hell one day. And he intervened and said, listen, I'm going to stop it right here. And I'm going to deliver you from that. And this old life you used to live, you don't have to live anymore. I got a new life. And this old identity, the way you used to feel bad about yourself or puffed up in yourself, I've got something better and it's in Jesus Christ. I'll make you alive. He broke death. You understand that? He took it and he shattered it on the ground. I broke it. And where death used to reign, Jesus rules over death because he conquered death. He rose from the dead and he's forevermore alive. And he rules over death and gives life to all those who believe in his name. He made us alive in him. That is the power of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love how it's said in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise him for what he's about to read right here. you got to praise him because in his great mercy, he has given us from the dead birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection changed everything. It broke death. It ushers in life. See, if you've been living in darkness and death, you know what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means is you don't have to live there anymore and your destiny is not to follow that parade into hell. It is to be intervened and rescued and interrupted by Jesus Christ and delivered into his life today. You know what it means? It means if, if you're experiencing decay in your life, whether you're a believer or not, you don't have to live in it anymore. 
that you need to claim the lottery ticket that Jesus Christ has purchased for you and explore and know all the riches that you have in Christ Jesus, that you're not dead, you're alive, that you don't have to follow the pattern of this world anymore. You don't have to believe what other people have said about you in your past. You don't have to carry shame from the things you've done that were wrong. You don't have to have any of that in your life anymore. Jesus made you alive. So believe it. Believe it. Thirdly, it means if you're experiencing the abundant life in Jesus Christ and you know his promises and you understand your riches and you stake your claim on the fact that Jesus rescued you from death to life and you know your identity in him, guess what? You didn't get there by your own doing. You didn't get there because you were so righteous. You didn't get there by your own efforts. You got there by the grace of Jesus Christ that he do worship him. Worship him with a heart so full of gratitude you can't stand it. And say, God, why would you be so good to me? And you lift your arms and worship and praise to your heavenly father. And when you leave this house, you can't stop talking to God about how great he is. Because he's rescued you. Does God see you dead or alive? Well, that depends on you. That depends on you. In Christ Jesus, you're alive. But can I tell you something? I have met far too many people in our community that say, oh, I got saved one day, but they don't know what that means, and, and it doesn't seem to have any effect in their life, and they don't know anything more about following God than they did that day. And they can't point to a conscious decision that they made to say, God, rescue me from hell and death and give me your life. Can I tell you, that's where life begins, when you consciously choose Jesus Christ to rescue you from death and offer you life. So are you a dead or alive? If you know Christ, if you've invited him into your life, you're alive. If you have not, you are still dead in your transgressions and sins. And so the so he's been waiting for you to say, God, I'm ready. I want to know your life. I'm tired of living in death. I'm tired of living in decay. I'm tired of, I'm tired of following my own way, which is really the pattern of this world, which is really the enemy called Satan. And I'm tired of following all that. I'm ready to follow you. Will you pray with me this morning? God, this is a really important moment for all of us because we all fit into three categories here this morning. The first is that somebody needs to be rescued from death to life today. I can't think of something more important than that. You thought it was so important that you sent your son and he, he, he bled upon a cross carrying our sin and shame so that we could be delivered from that. If you need the, the living Savior to step into your life today, why don't you invite him in right now and say, God, I, I admit there's a deadness and decay in me that I can't fix. Will you tell them that? God, there's a brokenness in me I can't fix. But my eyes have been opened today to what Jesus has done for me. And I'm asking you, God, because of what he did on the cross, God, would you deliver me from death to life? I put my hope and my trust in the living Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to follow him. Man, if you prayed that prayer, 
this was your big moment. This is the day that everything changed. The resurrection of Jesus Christ resurrected your dead spirit into a spirit that is now alive. Praise God. Would you tell somebody that today? Man, God made me alive today. You're never going to be the same. You have a new identity and a new family and a new father. God, I want to pray for the believers in this room who even though they've been made alive, there is decay. There's too much death in their life. And they're following the wrong parade. And they need you to renew them. They're not the dead person they thought they were. They're alive. Cause them the, give them the faith to believe that truth today. God, you made me alive, and so I'm going to live in your life, not in the death of this world anymore. And God, I pray for those by your grace who know what it means to be alive. by your grace and God that we would just be people of gratitude and thankfulness and worship and adoration to the God who would rescue us and every day we wake up grateful for a chance to tell you God how great you are and to live our lives in response to you God thank you that you are our living hope you are the one who rescues us. We give you all praise, glory, and honor for it all belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen.